Welcome to the 177th episode of the Young Terps podcast from the Viner Four Gate Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's episode, well, there's not as much as we expected to be able to talk about, but we still got some men's basketball things and, of course, all your Terps news on the Terrapin Rundown. But before we get into that, this podcast, as always, is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin Party Rental resource. Allied has what you need for whatever event you are hosting, tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories, everything that you're looking for. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV today, you can contact Allied at 301-986-0067 or on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, a few things to get to on the Terrapin Rundown. Yes, there are. And we'll start off with some pro trips news, though not the usual type. Maryland men's soccer players Dane St. Clair and Chase Gasper have led Minnesota United to a 3-0 victory over top-seeded Sporting KC Thursday to reach the Major League Soccer Western Conference Finals. Yeah, the clean sheet turned in by Dane uh, big win, you know, uh, Dane St. Clair played really well for Maryland in his time, and he's continued uh, that into the MLS. Jordan, is this as far as uh, Minnesota United has made it in their, what, third year of existence? I would have to assume so. I mean, as you said, Minnesota United is only three or four years old, so I don't, I can't imagine they made it further, but I don't know that for sure. On the court, on the lady side especially, uh, the Terps set the Big Ten women's basketball record for the most points ever scored against direct opponents as they dropped 115 on number 14, Arkansas. Yeah, and this is after they lost to number 24, Missouri State. Uh, the Terps certainly got pounced on by everybody after they lost but, uh, to Missouri State, but they come back out, they put up 115 against the number 14 team, uh, in the country, the most points ever scored against the Razorbacks in a women's basketball game. And uh, they still fell in the AP poll, ironically, to the number 14 spot. Yep, far from the number 12 spot, which is okay. I mean, they did lose a game, so you can take that if you want. Uh, the Lady Trips also took down Towson 112-78. to However, that was not the story of the game, as Angel Reese, very unfortunately, has fractured her foot and will be out for 12 weeks in what is just a devastating blow from a, a just a really basketball perspective. A lot of people really look forward to seeing her. Yeah, and I was one of those people. I did not get to see a game uh, with Angel in it, but we're wishing her a speedy recovery. And, you know, we'll, she will be back out on the court soon. Uh, not really in, in this COVID year, not as big of a factor as it would have been in other years. She doesn't need to apply for a waiver if she doesn't make it back this year or anything. Uh, so things just kind of continue on, and, and that's the only the only benefit of what's going on this uh, sports season. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, on the Terps in the pros on the gridiron, starting things off as always with Jermaine Carter Jr. The Carolina linebacker made his third start of the season and set a season high in tackles with eight, including one for a loss. Also set a season high in snaps, played on defense with 47 or 64%. Uh, good showing for Jermaine Carter, who's kind of worked his way back into the rotation after being out of it to start the season. Yes, he has. Uh, not a good showing from Carolina, though. They blew it against Minnesota. Uh, Byron Carrot for the Patriots did not play. Sean Davis for Pittsburgh recorded a tackle for the third straight 
week and played a season-high 19 snaps in that uh, Wednesday night football event against the Ravens. Yeah, um, oddity of the schedule there. Hopefully we won't see that again, but the way things are trending, it's not like promising. Uh, Stefan Diggs for Buffalo caught seven catches on nine targets, but for only for 39 yards, which is really abnormal for Stefan, who tends to be a deep threat. Yeah, very odd. And, you know, Buffalo kind of took their foot off the gas against uh, the Chargers last Sunday and, and just kind of wrapped things up. But, you know, Diggs is still getting a lot of catches and, and he's, not as consistent as some, but you know the fact that we're saying 39 yards is a low number is is still shows what kind of season he's having. That is true. Um, moving to Pittsburgh again, Trey Edmonds did not play, but Derwin Gray played four snaps in his fourth appearance of the season. So that means he is officially collecting NFL game checks and is on the active roster because he already played his two uh, three games. Yeah, Derwin is um, a guy I'm really looking forward to you know, being successful and, you know, I think he's got a good chance at the guard position to kind of get onto a roster and stick and, and it's nice to see him off the practice squad. You know, he spent a year plus on, on Pittsburgh's practice squad and now he's finally getting some game time. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, onward to New England where JC Jackson made two tackles and played 48% of defensive snaps. He was battling a hip injury this week, so it's not surprised that he was off the field for some of the de- defense, but should is expected at this point to be an all-pro this season, which is a major accomplishment for a chart to make that uh, distinguished list. Yeah, Jordan, you said 48. That's actually 84% of snaps for uh, oh, sorry, about my bad. JC. He finally doesn't get an interception, though, but New England uh, did steal a win against uh, Arizona. Quinton Jefferson for the Bills. Uh, back after a two-game absence, two tackles, a tackle for loss, and a quarterback hit on 57% of the snaps. Not the season that uh, Q. Jeff was looking for, but... You know, he's still, he's still getting paid, and he's still playing in the NFL. Not much more you can ask for. Yeah, that is the right mentality to have. Uh, Ty Johnson on the still abysmal New York Jets records three car- three yards on two carries and a catch per yard. You know, I know, Mason, you were hoping that he would get more of an opportunity in New York, but unfortunately he really hasn't. Yeah, with Frank Gore there and then P. Ryan, it, it's definitely tough for Ty, and, and Ty is going to find – you know, he's going to be on rosters because he gives you so much on special teams and he's really versatile back. But I'd love to get a, to see him get a shot. But again, with Frank Gore in there, it's really tough for young back. I'm not exactly sure why Frank Gore wants to play for the Jets, but uh, he is. And they are 0-11 heading into a matchup against the Raiders. So it's looking like 0-12 for, for the Jets. Anthony McFarlane, 3 Carries for nine yards against the Ravens, a catch for 17 yards on a season-high 14 offensive snaps. I was hoping uh, with Jalen Samuels and James Conner out to see a lot more of McFarland, but it, it just doesn't look like Pittsburgh's really ready to give him a go. They're, they're still trying to develop him, but he's becoming more of a threat in the passing game. That's something that I noticed. Yeah, and that's something I've seen actually some Steelers writers call for him to get more chances because they have seen his burst, but... He's just in a really good running back room with uh, Jalen Samuels, James Conner, Benny Snell, who was fantastic at Kentucky. It's just gonna, it's just hard for him to make the roster. I'm almost not sure why they drafted him. Yeah, I've almost seen enough of Snell in a way, and and I told this to Todd, uh, Wade, and Bruce in in our group chat during this game was Snell just lacks the burst. You know, I really like Snell coming out. I was calling for uh, either Washington or the Ravens to pick him up. Coming out of Kentucky, I thought he was fantastic there, and he definitely was. 
but he slipped in the draft for a reason, and I think that reason is he just lacks burst. You know, he's really tough between the tackles back, but McFarland gives you a different aspect, and that's what I've been saying. He's a really good one-cut back. He can really break it, but Pittsburgh does what they do, you know, and, and what they have is two, you know, slam it down your throats running backs with Connor and Snell that aren't really going to break it deep and aren't going to give you many big yards plays, but are consistent backs that are, again, really tough between the tackles, run, you know, downhill football. Uh, McFarland's not that guy. You know, he's always going to look to bounce it, look for the big play, and I think that what Coach Tomlin and the offensive staff uh, have decided there is, you know, let's do what we do and keep winning games. I'm surprised, again, with Tomlin and Matt Canada on that staff, though, that McFarland hasn't gotten more touches. Well, that was a deep dive in the Steelers that we were not, expect, not expecting to see today. Um, DJ Moore for Carolina catches four balls for 61 yards on nine targets, though, which is uh, below 50% catch rate, which is not something the Atlantic analytics people like and not something that looks good on the stat sheet either. Yeah, and they're going to just keep throwing the ball at DJ Moore because he's been really, really good uh, down the stretch here, even though Carolina's started to pick up some losses. They're, they got to target him. You know, they just don't have m- many well-utilized players. I think DJ Moore is one of the few ones that they have. Curtis Samuels, uh, the Ohio State player on Carolina. If I'm any other team, I'm asking about how I can acquire this guy and give him a bigger role. I just think one of the bigger stories, and it happened in the Rivera era, and I think it's starting the same way with Matt Rule in there, is they have weapons and they just can't find ways to get them the ball. But McCaffrey and DJ Moore certainly get the ball, I think, more than their fair share. Again, with with bigger play guys like Robbie Anderson, uh, Curtis Samuels on that roster, I'm not exactly sure, not to say that DJ Moore doesn't deserve to get get the ball thrown to him nine times in the game, but I'm not sure why Carolina's not better. Uh, moving on down, Yannick Ngakwe started for Baltimore, played 60% of the snaps, and made literally zero impact on the stat sheet. This is looking like a catastrophic trade for the Ravens at this point. Yeah, Yannick is not doing well in this in this defense, and uh, I think it's surprising to everybody around the league. You know, this was the last piece for the Ravens, the one that was supposed to take them all the way to the promised land, and Ngakwe has done next to nothing uh, in the purple and black, and it just seems like the minute that they got him, they've started going down the tubes in Baltimore. A really good fight from them this last weekend, and Gakwe, um, I just don't think he really fits the scheme for some reason. You know, Judon and Pernell McPhee are more defensive linemen. I think Ngakwe is really just a pass rusher uh, that's meant to play in a system that's really strong interior linemen, which the Ravens don't right now, even though they, Calais Campbell's been playing well. He's old, and uh, in this last game, they just didn't have it. As soon as Derek Wolf went down, they were pretty much into the practice squad guys on the defensive line. Uh, and Gakwe is an impact player, and I still think he warrants a big contract from whoever gets him next. But it looks like the roster turnover uh, has finally gotten to Yannick. Um, for Darnell Savage, Green Bay, a better performance. Started the game off, played 57% of snaps, um, but got two interceptions two in the first two of the season a I mean as far as his year has gone this is the best game of the season so far yeah he really needed this game and not to say that Mitchell Trubisky didn't really throw him the ball twice but you know those are the kind of plays that you really need if you're Darnell Savage you got to get going it's been a tough second year he's dealt with injuries almost the entire season still dealing with them that's why he's only getting on the field 57 percent of the time 
but really positive, you know, really positive from Green Bay. Their defense wasn't great. They did give up a lot of points to the Bears, but uh, Chicago is really just not in the best place right now. And finally, speaking of Chicago, Josh Woods, uh, still doing his thing, 16 snaps on special teams, but his cleats are of interest to Maryland fans as this week was cleats for the cause week around the NFL, which of course is when you can wear special cleats that support a cause you believe in. And Josh Woods chose to wear his cleats for the Jordan McNair Foundation. Gorgeous cleats. You haven't seen them. I highly recommend looking them up um, with the black and gold and the uh, Lord Calvert shield in the Nike logo. Just gorgeous and a very good cause. Yeah, really good cause. I hate seeing the Nike logo with the Maryland flag in it. That kind of bothers me. But a great cause, you know, Jordan McNair Foundation spreading uh, awareness for the signs of heat stroke and heat related uh, illnesses, which, you know, as we all know, uh, ended Jordan's life. And, you know, Marty and, and Tanya have done a great job spreading that around, especially in this area with McDonough really, you know, leading the way of doing that and teaching classes to parents, athletes, coaches, uh, league officials, referees. You know, they've, they've done a lot in this past a few years, which has definitely been a lot really tough for them. And it's great to see, you know, Terps uh, repping that. Jordan, the cleats for a cause is this week. That That's this upcoming week, not last week, oh, not my, Thanksgiving week. My bad. So we'll see them on the field uh, on Sunday. And, and really a lot of great cleats around the league. The Rivera strong ones that a lot of the Washington players are wearing. And uh, the Ravens supporting, uh, I believe it's also cancer with, um, the young fan that, that unfortunately passed away, which they just named a street for. His name slips my mind. They just named a street for him uh, around M&T Bank and Camden Yards. But great, really, really great week around the league for the NFL, just showing uh, how many how many charities are impacted by, by the different players around the league and, and how many are supported and just getting the name out. And Jordan McNair Foundation uh, is, is definitely a great cause. Well, Mason, this isn't on the schedule, but something I feel we should comment on. Um, the, one of the more consequential trades in our lifetime in D.C. sports happened this week, and I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. I'm sure everybody out there does, too. But the Wizards flipped John Wall for Russell Westbrook and also gave up a first-round pick. Wall has been in D.C. for the better part of 10 years now and has – I mean, it's almost like I can't imagine the Wizards before him. It's one of the biggest – like I said, one of the biggest trades I think we've ever seen. Yeah, I can't imagine the Wizards before him, and I know you can too, Jordan. I know, I can, but it was a long time ago, is what I'm saying. Yeah, to me, it really doesn't feel that long. Like, I couldn't believe that Wall had been here for 10 years. I, I'm not a huge John Wall fan. Never really was. Um, I, I really think it's just a positive move, and, and I think it was time for really a handful of reasons. I, I just think Wall was kind of expired here, and if there's one thing that... Uh, Ted Leonsis does look at it's the business aspect of this team and I think Wall again was just expired with this fan base you know people I'm not talking about the diehard Wizards fans I'm not talking about people like Jordan and I that really just kind of watch it to watch it I'm talking about the people that just turn the game on you know the fans that the Wizards need because they're not they're the third team they're, they might be the fourth team behind uh, the football team, the Nationals, the Capitals, and then I would easily put it as the Wizards next. Uh, they needed to make something happen. They they had to get some league attention back going, and making a big trade, I think, is the way to go in the NBA because they can't find anybody to sign. 
And yes, as you mentioned, that's one of many reasons. And it was just kind of time. And Russell Westbrook, despite he's a bit of a divisive player, but he's at least exciting to watch. And he's definitely a big name in the league and certainly someone who, you know, with Bertans and Bradley Beal and um, Denny, I forgot his last name, the kid from Israel they just drafted, they can shoot. And Russell Westbrook has played really well when he has shooters around him. And there certainly have, with Beal and Bertans, those are literally two of the top 10 shooters in the league in terms of percentage. Well, I think what it so, does for you if you're the Wizards is I think Westbrook, Beal or not, I think Westbrook can put them in the playoffs in the East. Just like, he, just like he got the Thunder to the playoffs when it was just him left there. What I would say is, it's, to me, purely a business play. And I think a really genius and good one at that. And and for the Rockets, and I think for the Wizards, it was time. Really kind of quickly on this, I think John Wall's clock started ticking the minute they didn't get Kevin Durant signed Jan Mahimi. The minute they couldn't lure in another big star, and then and then they dumped Porter, and they got rid of Ariza, and, and they just did all these things. The Wall's era, trying to make a big three with John Wall, it was just over. And I'm not exactly sure who's to blame there, but I think we all know it. You know, they didn't get Durant. They missed, they missed, they missed, and all these different stars they were going to get. They got rid of Kelly Uber. I mean, they just did a laundry list of things that just kind of doomed the Wall Beal era. Yeah, and you can put, as you said, you can probably blame me one out there. I think a lot of people are going to blame Ernie Grenfeld, and that's a fair assessment if you want to do that. But And a lot of yeah, people will blame era... Scott Brooks, who I still think will be a terrible coach for this team. Well, I don't want to, again, I don't want to get too far into this because it's not Wizards podcast, but Scott Brooks, you need to remember, was Russell Westbrook's coach for a long time. And I'm not sure how it's going to play into anything here, but that is something worth remembering as we go forward now. Yeah, and we'll see how that plays out, but definitely something of interest as the NBA gets really near starting its season. Yeah, and uh, we'll see if the NHL ever gets the ball rolling again. They're struggling with that at the moment. Um, also, before we get to Maryland main feast today, briefly around the Big Ten, as the games are still going on right now, but to our final, Ohio State, with 23 players out, blows the doors on Michigan State, who returns to their previous four, 52 to 12. So this is something, Mason, that I think bears, this is stirring a lot of feathers the wrong way. The Big Ten allegedly will change the rules for the conference championship game to allow Ohio State in if they don't play next week. Which, I mean, I can't even defend that. No, I don't think anybody can. It's just, you know, the this league is just lacking, and it's lacking leadership from the top. And I think I said this a few weeks ago, and, and it's just becoming more and more evident. This is just a poorly run business at this point. Um, they're doing, they're making all the wrong moves, it seems like, when it comes to virus scheduling, trying to get these games in, having to change the schedule now, changing the rules, whatever it may be. It's leaking. All the information is being leaked. And it's just a poorly, it's just poorly run. It really is. And it's a shame because the Big Ten, uh, with founding the Big Ten Network, starting the conference network-based TV, you know, has done, has been the leader, I think, in, in, in this kind of sports or college sports business. Uh, under Commissioner Delaney, but with Warren in place, uh, it has not been good. And I th- and I think, you know, you know, there are a lot of people out there for his head now. 
Um, and I think it's just coming. I don't think he's going to last very long. And this is one thing that, and I hate to tie this back together, but when you look at the beginning of the season, when Nebraska was in the fight with the Big Ten, and and there's people out there, and I didn't believe at the time that were saying, watch, Ohio State's going to do something and they're going to bend to their will immediately. And I didn't believe it at the time, but if that actually ends up happening, if you're Nebraska, I, I would leave, honestly. Like, that that's that's bigger. That's a bigger slap in the face than I've ever got from the ACC, in my opinion. Yeah, it is. And and they just got to tread carefully here. They got to tread lightly, and they they got to make the right choices. I don't really they know really what do. those this choices the, are. I think it's hard to dispute this is a crucial time for the Big Ten at the moment. I mean, one of the quickest just decays of reputation I've ever seen from a conference or from almost anything. Um, Nebraska, speaking of which, pulls off a surprise victory a little bit against Purdue 37-27 earlier today. Cornhuskers now, I think, won two of the last three, and they were looking like they're on life support for a second there, but Mason, uh, Scott Frost has clawed his way back into some form of security. Yeah, I'm not sure what that security is, but Purdue, boy, are they bad. They lost to Rutgers. They got their, I mean, they were getting slammed in this game. Uh, they did come back, but they were getting rocked. Uh, by a Nebraska team that has not been able to move the ball up and down the field against barely anybody. Um, yeah, Purdue is... Everybody thought Braun was a genius, and I think it's starting to show. They 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 slipped away. They won some games that they probably shouldn't have won, and, and here they are losing again to Rutgers and Nebraska back-to-back. Those are probably two games they should have won. It was pick em today, uh, as far as wagering is concerned, uh, between Nebraska and Purdue, but, and... The Huskers just had a strong start, and they just, you know, they ride the wave. They can run the football. If there's anything they can do, they can run the football. So if you get up to a big lead, uh, you can kind of bleed the game out. Um, moving on here, Penn State beats Rutgers 23-7. to uh, Not too surprised. Penn State's starting to get some traction going, and uh, James Franklin's job looks fairly safe at this point. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not counting on that yet, Jordan. Uh, the off-the-field issues are still there. And I think they need to be taken seriously. And I think there's a huge lack of them being taken seriously at this point. And again, disturbing another bad mark against an athletic department in Penn State that's just having issue after issue from Pat Chambers. Uh, now to Franklin with, with whatever happened there. They they got to deal with some of this stuff for... Again, I, I don't... This is a spot where I would think... I would really think the governing body, not the NCAA, but the Big Ten would step in and say, hey... You know, what's going on here? You're giving us bad press after bad press, and you, you guys were one of our biggest properties. Uh, can you stop screwing up? But again, we don't see that, and that's the thing about this conference, is it seems like for Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan, they can't do anything wrong, but even for schools that aren't small by any means, like a Nebraska, um, Iowa, Maryland, you know, the, the second tier or even anybody but the big boys, uh, it seems like the conference is a lot more involved when things go wrong. Yes, it is. And, um, yeah, just it's been a bad look for the Big Ten this season. I would be surprised if Kevin Warren makes it through uh, next year. Because you remember um, when the situation just... happened with Maryland, the conference oh, was yeah. all over it. When the thing happened at Iowa, the conference stepped in and, um, you know, did a somewhat of an investigation, you know, looked into it. But it seems like, especially when it comes to Penn State, I'm, I just don't get why nobody's slapping them on the wrist. Um, just briefly at the 
current games going on. Indiana holding a 14-6 lead over the Badgers as the third quarter expires. Um, Wisconsin was favored by something like 12 points in this one. Indiana is, again, just proving that they belong in the upper echelon of the season. And Iowa up 21-14 against Illinois. We're not going to comment on those, but again, Mason, I keep saying this. Indiana is good, and I think you're just wrong on this one. I didn't say they were bad. You have... Mm, I... I don't know about that. Their offense is not good. I will continuously say that. They force turn their defense is fantastic. Their offense does not win them games. Okay, maybe I can get behind that. And they are holding and Penix, six points right now. It, it, I'm telling you, Jordan, this guy, Penix, doesn't matter. It, it's not the quarterback. That and is I, I what I said. Right. You can go back and listen, Jordan. I said that Penix isn't what makes the team good. And Penix isn't good. Well, Penix isn't playing today, though. I know, and they're still winning. Exactly. Well, okay, maybe maybe that's fair enough. Um, we'll see. Indiana might fall themselves back in the top ten if they beat Wisconsin. And that does around the Big Ten. So, Mace, we don't have much to go on for the Terps today, but we do have um, a pretty solid game against St. Peter's, winning by 33 points. Certainly was uh, what you want. It's disappointing, of course, we're not playing again today. But yesterday we really made a statement. Yeah, and, and a surprising one at that, I would say. Uh, St. Peter's really wasn't that bad a team coming into this game. They had, you know, won some games. I have never, I will be the first to say this, I had never heard of St. Peter's before this game. When the game yeah, was yeah. released, I saw St. Peter's in a Peacock logo and immediately thought they were a D2 team. Yeah, and Mason, I was talking about this yesterday. We both did. Um, I don't know how. Like, they're not, a, they've been D1 for a long time. I know I haven't heard of them, but they, yeah, they, um, Beat Stony Brook by a good amount. They beat LaSalle, who are going to play later this season. Um, and they also lost to St. John's, who's a power six school by like one or two points. But they just got, from the moment this ball jumped, they just looked outclassed, actually. And it was surprising to see. Yeah, it was. And the positives, I think, rack up. And the first one and the biggest one for me uh, was Chol. He finally looked like a basketball player. You know, he wasn't all lanky. He didn't look... It didn't look forced, you know, even when he was running up and down the court. He only got 11 minutes, and that's really all that you're going to need out of him. Uh, but he, he looked a lot better, even though he only scores two points and and, and gets three rebounds. He just looked better out there. Uh, Jarius Hamilton play, had a really solid game. Uh, Galen Smith was a little bit down. Aaron Wiggins was injured uh, this week with an elbow, so he was, you know, kind of iffy going into the game, Was did not start. And then, Jordan, the guy that you got to mention has to be Hakeem Hart. Yes, it does. Hakeem Hart just dominated this game. 11 for 13 from the field, 5 for 7 from deep, 6 for 7 from the line, 33 points, 4 steals. And I, I'll come out and say it. Hakeem Hart, I, well, any of our regular listeners know this, I've been on him this season because he's made stupid mistakes and – he just didn't make them. He was on fire. He had one of the best shooting performances I've seen a Terp have. Like I said, missed two buckets, and they're both threes. 33 points. Like, I, I don't know if there's a, a more unexpected outcome of this game that's, like, within reason that I would have seen out there. No, if you told me Maryland loses or Hakeem Hart's worth 33 points, which one's more likely to happen, I would have said St. Peter's winning this game and Maryland losing. Um, yeah, I agree. I totally, I totally would have, too. Hakeem Hart is a guy that I always thought there was upside there. You know, I think I think he's a great athlete. 
Um, and he can go out there and score. And he's the kind of player that Mark Turgeon recruits. You know, he's lanky. He's got length to him. He's got some height. And I felt like what was missing out of his game, uh, with just a, along with the awareness issues that Jordan's pointed out time and time again, was he has all the pieces to be a really good basketball player. He hadn't put them together yet. You know, he can shoot. I've seen him in practice. I've seen him play. Uh, I've seen his highlight tapes at games from his high school career. He is athletic. He does have length to him. But he just didn't look like a basketball player. You know, he looked like just a bunch of different pieces in the same human. And this game, he kind of put it together. You know, he was hitting his shots. He got to a good start. And, and I would be hard-pressed if I looked back at all the minutes that Hakeem Hart had played. And he only scored 28 points in his Maryland career before yesterday. Did he ever get a good rhythm push? You know, did he ever get the ball and, you know, get a layup or something like that just to get get going? And, you know, every once in a while it just takes, it just takes that kind of game where the, you know, the switch flips and you might not score 33. 33 is a fantastic game. The second most points uh, that any player scored in the entire, any single player has scored in the entire Mark Turgeon era behind Diamond Stone's 39 against Penn State in 2015. Uh, but just a really solid game from Hakeem, and and you know that that's the kind of player that Maryland's going to need to pop up if, if they want to win a lot of games this year. Yeah, Hakeem Hart, you need to remember, was not a big get. He was the 19th ranked player in Pennsylvania, and then he committed to Maryland. He was committed to St. Joseph's before this. He was a late take, and I, I guess someone on the coaching staff must have really liked him, and they just took him. And like maybe that's why. No, he hasn't looked great before this, but like you said, Mason, he has to score his entire Maryland career in this one game, and maybe was, he flips the switch and becomes a rotation player for real. I hope that is the case. Um, another player that you have to mention with this one, Dante Scott picks up a double-double with 12 boards, 14 points, and another, I mean, I'm not going to say it was great, one for one from three, but another efficient shooting performance, four for four from the field. I honestly think he could end up being the best player on the team this season. So do I, and the other one they got to point out is Morselli doesn't score. But for Scott, uh, yeah, he's a really efficient guy, and I think that he's going to have to be somebody that really steps up this year and, and plays well, and so far he's done that. Uh, if you're looking at the bigger picture, you know, you're going to somewhere along the line have to kind of establish a lineup, but I still point to the things I said on Sunday. Wiggins has got to play well, and, th and that kind of starts against Clemson coming up this week. And then they just got to get, you know, the 14 from... Scott, you know, 10-plus from Hamilton, and you'll be okay. You know, Ayella and Wiggins, again, that's where this thing's got to stop and go. And, and if a guy like Hakeem Hart can step up and have a big game, and maybe then Aquan Smart has a big game, you know, you got this list of other guys, but your base players need to do it for you. And Hakeem Hart went off in this game. You're going to have that. Maryland's a very high-talent team. But the base guys, I just haven't seen it all come together yet. And and, th and that's the big concern right now. That is the concern. Um, another, this is more of an open-ended question. I'm going to direct it right at you, Mason. What is Aquan Smart's role need to be in this team? Because he's a ball handler. He's a good defender. We have not seen much shooting from him this season. He, he hit a three in this one. That was his only bucket, but he also missed two free throws. Interesting case. I'm just curious what you think of him so far. Yeah, and going back to my last second. The last thing that I said really quickly. Ayella, Wiggins, Morsell, Galen Smith, Jarius Hamilton, Scott, and Chole. Those are your base guys. Those are your base seven, just to go back. 
for Smart, I think it's just to be a backup point guard. You know, he kind of reminds me of, he has the role uh, of like an Adrian Bowie, you know, kind of player going back into the Maryland uh, time capsule. Pishon Howard, Adrian Bowie type role of just backup point guard. You know, game manager, you don't really need to score, but you got to play hard on defense and you just got to give the team minutes because you're the backup point guard. I think it's fair enough. There's not much else to really no- note here. Jarius Hamilton also played well, 15 points, 8 rebounds. Hamilton and Scott, again, are just, without question, your top two big men. The problem is neither of them are really big, and that is going to be a hard thing for Turner to navigate. Well, Scott certainly is a big man. Oh, he's a big man, but he's only 6'8". That's what I mean by that. Yeah, no, but he's a big man. You know, he's a power forward. He's not really a small forward. He, he is a power forward. Uh, can he play center? No. But I think he does belong in the post, and he's really embraced that role. Hamilton less so, but Scott, Scott, I think, belongs down there. They don't have a center. You know, Galen Smith, he's all right. Yeah, maybe he's a center. I still think he's more of a power forward. And Chole, while he's getting better, isn't really there. They don't have a starting caliber Big Ten center. And we'll see if that shows. Maybe it won't. You know, maybe they can take advantage of playing small ball and win their share of games. But they're not, you know, they don't have Jalen Smith. They don't have, they don't even have Michael Tchaikovsky. Um, and and, and that eventually is, that will show. Yeah, eventually it will. But for now, you had a good win, good team performance. Didn't get much from Daryl Morsell, as you mentioned, Mason, and they still put up 90 points. So I guess we're happy with this one. We have had, let me look, I have, I have them listed here. We have had six cancellations this week. Four for men's basketball, one for women's basketball. They're supposed to play Coppin State uh, today. That didn't happen. And one for Michigan. The cruel irony is none of it is Maryland's fault. None of the three sports actually forced on cancellations, which is really uh, unfortunate. But what do you make of the Michigan cancellation? I think that this, this notion out there that some people in the Terp Talk Network, I believe, have promoted that Michigan wanted to cancel this game is absolutely ridiculous. Now, there are times, like, I'll throw an example, Vanderbilt, COVID complications canceled the game or postponed it. That's a little sketchy. But when a team stops all football activities, and it's Michigan football, it's not not some school that... Like Vanderbilt? like Vanderbilt, there you go, is canceling the game. It isn't because they don't want to play. I, I just can't, I can't believe that. It, well, maybe, I, maybe if the games were rescheduled, then I could believe that they're trying to cop out of something. But I, I just cannot see Michigan not wanting to play Maryland. I don't really care how bad they are. They were favored to win this game by five and a half points. Now, if that were the case, we just have to come up with some universal penalty in college football for if you get proven that you just, you know, canceled a game to cancel it, there's got to be some penalty for that. But I just, I cannot believe that Harbaugh and Michigan, really, because it doesn't take, it's not just Harbaugh saying, oh, we have COVID, we're done. There's medical confirmations. They test these players. The team doctors are involved. The University of Michigan health system is involved, just like the University of Maryland health 
system had a press conference when Maryland was struck with this. It's not just the football program. That's all I got to say. Yes. It really is one of those things where you can believe the conspiracy if you want, but you need to look at it and kind of defend it. And Yeah, qualify it. The amount of people that have to go into, like, fronting a Michigan cancellation is just preposterous. Um, The amount of people. They released numbers on it. Like, it wasn't like they just said, like you said, COVID things. It was like, we have this many people that are sick. Yeah, it wasn't Florida State. It wasn't Vanderbilt. There was real, and even in the case of Florida State, the Clemson thing was absolutely ridiculous. The fact that people think Florida State backed out of that game. But back to this. You don't think one person, think about all the people, the people that test the, the people that administer the test, um, enter the results in for probably the multiple places they need to be entered into. You don't think one of these people would leak this? Like, come on. Just the shoot. All right, well, I, I understand, but I think it's time to move on. But um, my last point on this <laughs> uh, okay. is the players fought to play the sport. Now, things do change when you start losing. I'm completely, as somebody of the age of these college athletes, do understand your attitude completely changes when you suck. But they want to play the sport. You're not a D1 athlete that doesn't want to play D1 sports. That just doesn't fly. That generally does not work. That's why Maryland has had so many issues over the past few years because they've had players that just kind of backed up and, and, and kicked the can down the road and just kind of went through the motions. But a lot of these guys, few or many, they fought to be playing the game right now. They're not just going to back out and say, oh, I don't want to play. Again, if it was a conference that postponed the games instead of just flat out canceled them, I may give you some ground. But that's not this conference. This game is done. They don't get that opportunity to showcase their talent and have the week of preparation and to be with their teammates. The whole thing goes into isolation and quarantine. You're really telling me college kids want to go into isolation and quarantine just so they don't get beat? Like, what a joke. Okay. Um... I don't know if we have anything else on... Oh, I guess we can do one more thing, Mason, which is preview the Maryland game against Clemson on Wednesday because I don't think we're going to be broadcasting before that. Um, so this is the first real test for this basketball team. Clemson, I am doing some research on right now, is played well so far this season as far as I know. Yes, they have not lost so far this season, and they played some good teams. They have beaten Mississippi State and Purdue so far already. So this is going to be a game Maryland has to show up for. Yeah, what a schedule that Clemson's playing this year. I just pulled it up, too. Uh, yeah, they started off the season with a win against Mississippi State, 53-42. to I don't think 53 will beat Maryland. Um, no, then they beat the Purdue. they put up against Purdue. Mike. Yeah, <laughs> then they beat Purdue, 81-70. to South Carolina State might be the only patsy. Oh, no, they play Moorhead State. They play two soft games this year. Other than that, the non-conference games for Clemson are Mississippi State, Purdue, Maryland, Alabama, South Carolina. And South Carolina. That's a schedule right there. That is a schedule right there. Props to the coaching staff for putting together a tough one despite the um, limitations. And the fact that they have to play the ACC. And they have to play the ACC, which is still probably the hardest basketball conference in the country. Mason, Mason, what do you need here? What are you looking for? Because like you said, this is a— well, we both can agree. This is a real game against a team that might be ranked in the future. 
you you gotta go out there and you gotta play tough. Yeah, you do, and and I think the start is really important for Maryland. And really, when you're looking at this, the Terps have not this group of Maryland players have not really played together yet. And you face that in a lot in college basketball, and generally now these days it's just in college sports. But really, what you have to focus in on in your game planning, in your kind of line of thinking if you're on the staff, is how do I get the players that I know need to be hot, they need to get going early going. And those guys are Ayella, Wiggins, and really Hamilton. I think those are my three guys I'm trying to get an early touch in the easy bucket. Because you got your tough guys. You know, you have Donta Scott. I'm not really afraid of getting Donta Scott going. I know that he's a really he's a self-starter guy that's going to play really hard for me. The guys that you know need it, and really is Wiggins and Ayella, get them baskets, get them touches early, get them shots. And if that doesn't work out, you know, you got to go into your kind of platoon thing, get Hamilton in, um, you know, and, and that's really about it. You don't have many secondary scores, and I think that's why a lot of people were excited about Hakeem Hart's performance. That is true. One thing to note about Clemson is they are extremely balanced in terms of almost everything. They don't have a single player in their roster that averages more than 25 minutes a game at the moment. And they have oh, – hold on, I need to actually count this. They have – is that either 10 – I think it's 11 players averaging over 10 minutes a game right now. That is a truly deep rotation. Yeah, and just looking through it right now, it's Clemson's not the biggest team that anyone's seen. They have – I think they have three total guys that get up there at about 6'10". So you're not completely outclassed by size in this game. Uh, a lot of 6'8", a lot of 6'7s on both of these teams. I think it's just a chance to earn a win, and, and you really are going to have to earn it, and, and that's – it is what it is. You know, and, and that's what you're going to probably say before and after this game. If you go out there and you lay an egg and you get blown out, not the end of the world. Now, there's going to be some concern, and I think that'll be very warranted, but – the things you got to focus in on, again, are how they play down low, and then can their guards really propel them towards victory? Because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take more so Wiggins and Ayala, and I think everybody knows that. That's not a hidden but, thing. Yeah. And that is something that I think other teams are going to know, too. They're going to try to get out early on our AC one want to call them three wings, and they're going to try to limit them because everybody who scouts Maryland is going to see that those three guys are what the entire team runs through at the moment. Yes, Dante Scott might be the best player on the team. That's not out of the question, but he's not a guard. He's not going to initiate the offense. And so far this season, again, I didn't mention this last time, but we are still running what looks like an actual offense. We're running sets, we're running plays because there's no one ball dominant player. And you're going to have to, we're going to have to see if that can translate into actual, you know, good team opponents. My final thought on this, and I do think Maryland wins this game is the guy that I pull aside before this game and say, we need you, is Aaron Wiggins. And not only because Aaron Wiggins isn't playing to his potential right now, but if you can get to Aaron at this point and say, if you want a future playing basketball, you've got to turn it on. You've got to be assertive. You've got to put together a mid-range game, and you've got to get going. He's been here for three years now. It is time for him to step up and be the player that was supposed to be picked in the lottery two years ago. And I think that'll do it. Hopefully, for real, hopefully, this Maryland-Clemson game gets played because that's not been the luck we've had so far this season. 
I cannot believe Maryland basketball has four cancellations already, but that is the year we're going through right now. And I guess we'll have to see. Um, the one one last thing is how do the five o'clock Eastern time start on a Wednesday? I don't know, but right now I'm I'm looking at two games during this week that are starting on Wednesday. I mean, they're starting at five o'clock, not on Wednesday. Uh, the football team and the Steelers five o'clock on Monday, and Maryland and Clemson five o'clock on Wednesday. Yeah, it's gonna be an interesting week for you. Um, hopefully, the first play well tomorrow on Sunday, and hopefully, Maryland gets to play Rutgers next week. But I'm not overly optimistic about it at this point, just with the luck we've had, and. With any luck, we'll be talking to you guys again Thursday after a big win. Yes, we will, and, and I think that's going to be a wrap for this podcast. As always, we would like to thank our sponsors, Allied Party Rentals and Beltsville. For all of your party rental needs, visit alliedpartyrentals.com. And for all of your business IT needs, securities, backups, and, of course, tech support, Viner Four Gates is your place to go. You can reach them at 301-251-2900 or on the web at the number one, viner.com. And as always, thanks for listening.